All right, listen, guys, I get it. Many of you are unable to financially support this ministry because you're spending your cash and your lives on raising young children in the fear and admonition of the Lord. Praise God for you and that endeavor. However, algorithms are a thing. Shadow banning, sadly, is a thing. And one major way that you can help to expand the reach and effectiveness of this ministry that doesn't cost you a dime is by spending just a few moments leaving us a five-star review. Also, perhaps even more effective than that, you can share our podcast with a friend. We hope you'll take the time to do so. Thank you so much. God bless. Joel, is my young and faithful pastor in sin while praying with his hat on in front of the whole congregation? Yep. My goodness. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yep. He's in sin. And to be fair, he's probably ignorant. You know, um, but yeah, that's, yeah, he's, he's in sin. Um, I mean, there's a debate to be had. I don't know if it's a great debate, but I, I think there's a debate to be had in terms of, you know, praying, um, in personal, uh, in personal private practices, practices of piety, right? Like fasting, scripture, reading, prayer, um, at the personal private level in, in your daily spiritual disciplines, um, that would be one thing. And even in that setting, um, I would say, go ahead and take your hat off. But, uh, if we're talking, if we're talking Lord's day gathered worship, where, where the word is being preached, the sacrament is being administered, uh, the Lord's supper and baptism. And it's, you know, it's the, the, the ordinary means of grace, publicly preaching the word, publicly praying the word praying. I'm assuming that's the prayer you're referring to in the Lord's day gathering publicly preaching the word, publicly praying the word, publicly singing the word um, to God and also addressing one another per Ephesians and Colossians and hymns and psalms and spiritual songs. So publicly singing the word and then the, the fourth of the ordinary means of grace, publicly seeing, not singing, but seeing, S-E-E-I-N-G, seeing the word and the only two images that are prescribed for us by the Lord Jesus Christ himself, namely baptism and the Lord's Supper. Those are the ordinary means of grace that need to be rightly administered by biblically qualified, ordained officers of the church, elders and deacons, when all the saints, not virtually, but physically gathered together on the first day of the week, the Lord's day when Christ rose from the dead. That's church. And in that setting, dude's got a hat on, on stage as he's leading the church and I mean, like Paul doesn't just say it's a sin. He says it's embarrassing. It's shameful. The same way it's shameful for a man to have long hair and a woman to have short hair. It's also shameful if a woman won't cover her head and it's shameful if a man will. And it's funny with head coverings, you know, cause there's, there's guys and guys that I love like Doug Wilson, who I respect. Doug Wilson is, uh, we're not Pierce. He is my superior. He is. He's a better man than I am. As much controversy. He's a better man than I am. And theologically, He's superior, um, but he's wrong about head coverings. Uh, and, and I'll say that I, I would more confidently say that Doug Wilson is wrong in his position about head coverings than I'll say he's wrong in his position about baptism. I would have more hesitation in saying that I'm right about credo baptism and Doug's wrong about pedo baptism. But I will confidently say that if there's any one doctrine where I disagree with Doug Wilson and I stand the best chance of being right and holding the actual biblical position and him being wrong, it's head coverings. And on that note, 
Doug argues that, you know, well, the last line in this text in 1 Corinthians 11, Paul says her hair is given to her for a covering. So it's like, yeah, she better cover her head. She needs a covering. She needs a covering. She needs a covering. But her hair is given to her for a covering. So there you go. She's covered. She just needs to have long hair, which is insane when you plug that back into the text because, you know, Paul literally says in a portion of 1 Corinthians 11, it says, if she will not, it says, um, if she will not have long hair, then she should cut her hair short. Or I'm sorry, if she will not cover her head, then she should cut her hair short or uh, shear her head, shave her head, for it is shameful um, for her not to cover her head. And so what Paul is essentially saying is this, um, if a woman won't wear a head covering in worship and prayer and prophecy, which I take as the chief marks of corporate worship on the Lord's Day, we are prophesying, lowercase p, prophesying and praying prophesying, thus saith the Lord, he's speaking to the people of God, praying, the people speaking to God. God speaks to the people, the people speak to God. Prayer and prophecy is the two primary parts of what we do on the Lord's day when we gather together. That's what church is. It's prayer and prophecy. God speaks to us. We speak to him. He speaks to us through the sacraments, through his word. Uh, we speak to him through singing, song, and, and prayer. So praying the word, we speak to God. Uh, singing the word, we speak to God. Um, preaching the word, God speaks to us. Seeing the word and the sacrament of the Lord's Supper and baptism, God speaks to us. So uh, prophesy, uh, that's the Lord speaking to us. Thus saith the Lord. Uh, prayer and singing, that's that's us speaking to God. So prayer and prophecy. And that's 1 Corinthians 11. Praying and prophecy, that's when the covering needs to be there. And what is prayer and prophecy? It's God speaking to us, us speaking to God, which is the whole makeup of Lord's Day worship. So cover your head if you're a woman at church and don't cover your head if you're a man at church. All that being said, back back to the text in 1 Corinthians 11, if a woman will not cover her head, she should cut her hair short. Now, remember at the end, her hair is given to her for a covering. Now it's an entirely different Greek word there than it's been used the entire time. So it's not saying that the hair is given to her as the only cover she needs. It's saying, no, the hair has been given to her by God and this is an argument from nature, just in God's natural design. Um, that the woman has been given long hair as a natural covering, and that testifies that she should be further covered on the Lord's day. The fact that God gave her a natural covering testifies and confirms that she should be covered. That's what Paul's saying when he says, you know, uh, for the hair is given to her as a covering. Whereas Doug Wilson, again, who I respect immensely, would say, oh, oh well, there it is. You know, she's got a covering. Like, no, the, the hair is given as a natural covering, confirming that she needs to be further covered. Um, and Doug's going to say, well, the hair is given to her as a covering. So as long as a woman has long hair, that is the covering and she doesn't need a cover. And again, the reason that doesn't work is because it literally says, if she will not cover her head, she should cut her hair short. So now plug in Doug Wilson's hermeneutic. If he's saying that the hair is a covering and that's the only covering that's needed, then, then if she will not cover her head, she should cut her hair short. Well, if the hair is a covering, then essentially, um, <laughs> what Paul would be saying is if she has short hair, she should cut her hair short. Right, because the hair is the cover. If she doesn't have long hair, she should cut her hair short. Think about that. So, if if her hair is already short, then she should cut her hair short, which is already short. But if her head, uh, if her hair isn't, if her head isn't covered because she doesn't have hair, and hair is a covering because she's bald, then she should shave her head. But it's already shaved because she's already bald. It's just, I mean, it, it's dumb. It's dumb, and. um I mean, it really is, I think, one of the clearest texts in Scripture, uh, head covering. So all that being said, back to, you know, your pastor wearing a hat because the woman should cover, but the man should not. And with your pastor wearing a hat, 
I mean, that's one of those things that has kind of stood the test of time, at least, you know, where I am, you know, in God's country, Texas, you know, like you still, I mean, you could, you could be at the rodeo on, on a Thursday afternoon. It's not the Lord's day. It's not church. It's not the gathered saints. There's no administering of the ordinary means of grace. It's bull riding. And, uh, and somebody will pray, God bless America, you know, and, and all the men will be taken off their cowboy hats, right? A baseball game, somebody prays and, and what do people do? They, the men instinctively, right? It's just built into our culture. It's, it's one of our cultural rituals. Men take off their hat. You sing the, 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 uh, the national anthem, right? It's not even to God, but just anything that signifies some kind of, it's, it's a, a moment of respect, a moment of honor. And what do men do in moments like that? They take off their hat. At a funeral, men aren't wearing hats. They take off their hat. At a wedding, like any anything, anything of pomp and circumstance, anything of um, that, that's formal, um, that's official, um, and it's certainly anything of reverence and respect. Men take off their hat because they know that it's shameful to cover their hat because man is the glory of Christ. Right? Christ is the glory of God. Man is the glory of Christ and woman is the glory of man and the hair, a woman's hair is the glory of woman. And uh, man knows that the glory of God instinctively, man knows, even pagan men know that in God-like moments, in reverent moments, in moments of honoring God, moments of worship, um, that, that the man should not be covered. The man rather should display God's glory. That man is the image and both men and women bear the image of God. But the scripture teaches, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11, that man bears not just the image, woman bears the image of God, but man bears the image and glory of God. And the glory of God in man should, should be on display. God's glory should be on display. Um, whereas the glory of man that woman bears, she bears the glory of man, man's glory should be covered. Right. So it's not just an argument about authority and submission, it's an argument about glory. And whose glory gets to be put center stage on display at church on the Lord's day in the worship of the triune God and whose glory should not be a distraction and should be veiled, right? So the glory of man, which is woman, should be veiled in the worship of God. But the glory of God in the worship of God should be put on display. So man who is the glory of God does not cover his head, but woman who is the glory of man does. It's real simple. It's, it's really not that hard of a text. I'll tell you, I'll tell you what makes it hard. Um, a hundred, 130 years of feminism. That's what makes first Corinthians 11 hard to exegete. Feminism makes it hard. The text itself is not hard, but feminism makes it real hard. It's hard, um, to interpret something you don't want to interpret that you're scared to interpret. So all that being said, um, Women should cover their head. Men should not cover their head. I would argue, I mean, you can make an argue that it belongs to the function of prayer and prophecy. So anytime you're praying or prophesying, even in your home, at your dinner table with your family, men should uncover their head. Women should cover their head. Uh, that would be Dale Partridge's argument. I, I tend to agree with him. I think that's probably correct. But certainly prayer and prophecy in their corporate function, that when the church gathers on the Lord's day, it is exclusively like 100% of what the church is doing when it gathers on the Lord's day is, it falls into one of those two categories of praying or prophesying. And so if there's any place, the first place to start, uh, 
practice of covering. If, if you're a woman who's never covered her head, the first place to start would not be Tuesday night at the dinner table when, when your husband prays before you eat. Uh, first place to start would, would be the Lord's Day. That's the clearest. And, um, and so I say all that to say, on the Lord's Day especially, in church, a woman should cover her head and a man should not cover his head. But in our culture, the reason why I'm kind of picking on your pastor a little bit, I think he deserves it, is because in our culture, um, it's because of feminism, it is very uncommon for women to cover their head these days in church. But, but it is exceedingly common for men not to wear hats. Despite all the feminism, despite all the bad exegetical takes on 1 Corinthians 11 and head coverings, still, despite all that, most men still know better than to wear a hat at church, much less wear a hat on stage as the pastor while praying at church. So yeah, he's in sin. And not just sin, but according to the Bible, it's not just me saying shame on him. The apostle Paul literally uses the word shameful. So yeah, your, your pastor is doing something shameful. And I think, you know, be humble about it, but I, I, you know, privately pull him aside and say, Hey, I love you. And I hate to see you embarrassing yourself because that's literally what he's doing. It's shameful. Can I be frank with you for just a second right here at the end? Look, some of you guys, you're financially supporting this ministry. And from the bottom of my heart, I say, thank you. I cannot thank you enough. However, some of you, you just, you can't afford it. In fact, some of you, you shouldn't afford it. Let's be honest. I mean, we're living in Joe Biden's ridiculous economy. Our nation and our totalitarian political elites lost their minds over the last three years due to COVID. We have written checks that we simply cannot cash. It doesn't matter if people change the definition of a recession. We are living in a recession right now regardless. Some of you are struggling to afford a carton of eggs at the grocery store. You cannot support financially this ministry at this time, nor should you. But you could still help us tremendously. I am asking you, please, if you're willing to do so, take one minute of your time. Leave us a five-star review on your favorite podcast platform, iTunes, Spotify, whatever that might be. This is the way the system works. We want to be innocent as doves, but shrewd as vipers. We need to be strategic. You leave us a five-star review, and our podcast shows up for more people. And the Word of God and courageous theology applied in practical ways to every realm of life gets out there. Help us get it out there. Thanks for tuning in.